try that again. <laughs> this hearing of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee will come to order. Uh, today, the committee will consider the nomination of two experienced career foreign service officers to be U.S. ambassadors to Rwanda and Gabon. Now, economic growth in uh, Rwanda has averaged 7.6% uh, per year over the past decade, which we'll get after we pass this tax bill, right? No, okay. <laughs> Set aside. Um, and it's gone from ranking 56th place to 41st place in the World Bank's uh, 2018 Doing Business Report. Yet uh, a number of constraints on foreign investment in Rwanda persist. Uh, the donor, donor aid can, uh, remains a key source of funding for the country's development and economic growth initiatives. And concerns persist about the state of Rwanda's electoral process with the Trump administration recently criticizing irregularities uh, with the country's presidential election last August, uh, which saw uh, President Paul Kagame elected to, um, elected to his first term in 2003, um, handily win a re-election here. Kagame was cleared to run for an additional term following constitutional referendum that uh, exempted him from presidential term limits. Now, in Gabon, uh, declining oil prices have led to economic challenges for an economy dominated by oil. Despite Gabon's uh, President Bongo working to, to diversify the economy, private sector firms still face challenges to impede investment in the country, which was thought to have, uh, which is thought to have significant deposits of, of iron, uh, diamonds, and gold, among other minerals. Gabon is a key player in peacekeeping efforts in Central uh, Africa, and like Rwanda, has uh, committed peacekeepers uh, to a variety of missions. Uh, this is an issue that uh, we've talked about in our office in terms of peacekeeping. Um, it's an important one um, in terms of the, these, these countries and their contributions. I thank each of you for your time, for sharing your expertise. Also wanna thank the family members who are in attendance and uh, those who are not who continue to make uh, sacrifices to support the work that you do for your country. With that, uh, let me turn it to Senator Booker for comments uh, before we get to the witnesses. Mr. Chairman, I'm grateful for your opening remarks and your unbounded optimism about the United States of America. Um, um, I, I, I don't, I'm just gonna submit my statement for the record. I just really wanna say thank you both. Reading, reading your bios, knowing the importance of the strategic importance of the places uh, that you're being nominated to represent the United States of America. It's, it's just incredible careers. You're great servants, great patriots. And I really do hope, I see a lot of people that look suspiciously like family members. I hope you will take some time uh, to introduce us to your families who also uh, make a tremendous sacrifice for their country and support you in your uh, essential work on our behalf. And frankly, not just our behalf, but on behalf of humanitarian issues, democratic issues, uh, uh, dealing with international diseases. It's uh, tremendous, the work that you all are doing. Uh, so thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Booker. Um, Senator Isaacson, do you have anything to say before we get started? No, no. Okay, thank you. Our first nominee is Ambassador Peter Vroman, uh, who was most recently served as a charge, de, um, charge in, and deputy chief of mission in Ethiopia. Uh, prior postings include New Delhi, Baghdad, Tel Aviv, Beirut, Djibouti, and U.S. liaison uh, office in Somalia. Our second uh, nominee is Joel Dannys, who is uh, currently the associate dean of the School of Professional and Area Studies at the Foreign Services Institute. In addition to serving as special envoy for Haiti, his prior assignments include Kabul, Kabul uh, Geneva, uh, Paris, and Sinai. 
And with that, uh, we recognize Mr. Broman. Uh, Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Booker, members of the committee, Senator Isaacson. It is an honor to appear today before you as nominee as the next U.S. Ambassador to the Republic of Rwanda. I thank President Trump and Secretary Tillerson for the trust they have placed in me by nominating me for this position. If confirmed, I will work closely with this committee and other interested members of Congress to advance U.S. interests in Rwanda. I'd like to particularly recognize my wife, Johnette, a former Peace Corps volunteer and photographer, and our children, Zara and Hendrick, who are here. Without their love and strength and support, they, I would they really not be need, here. Chairman, I think that's a foul. They really need to identify themselves. Yeah, raise your hand there. That's the family. Okay. <laughs> and who who was the uh, person that charitably married you, sir? I don't I think see she's parking at Union Station, but she'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Thank the family for being here. My mother, uh, Sally, is also here from upstate New York. Her encouragement first propelled me into the field of foreign affairs. From my time as a Rotary International Foundation scholar, scholar and ambassador of goodwill in 1986 to an ambassadorial nominee here today. My brother Eric has traveled from Minnesota to be here, and my other brother Bruce is watching from New Hampshire. My, my mother-in-law, sisters-in-law, and brothers-in-law and our extended family are here joining me as well today, so we have a full house. If confirmed as ambassador to Rwanda, my first priority will be to ensure the safety and security of US citizens in Rwanda. Whether they're representing our country as diplomats at our mission, whether they're representing our uh, working in NGOs or faith-based organizations, conducting business, traveling on vacation, or working in the Peace Corps. My four policy goals will be to one, sustain our development partnership while reducing Rwanda's aid dependency. Two, promoting U.S. exports and business ties. Three, advancing rule of law and human rights in Rwanda. And four, encouraging Rwanda's continued role in peacekeeping. The United States has a strong partnership with Rwanda. The Rwandan people have crossed many milestones in their trajectory of recovery, reconciliation, and rebuilding since the 1994 genocide. In the past 10 years, Rwanda lifted more than 1 million of its 11 million people out of poverty and doubled per capita GDP in that same period. Since the year 2000, Rwanda has reduced its budgetary reliance on foreign assistance from 86% to 35%. Rwanda has worked hard to meet the basic needs of the population for potable water, roads, um, primary education, and healthcare. And for example, Rwanda's focus on combating the HIV epidemic, and we were both, or I was at the PEPFAR conference just this week, um, has resulted in a reduction of new HIV infections by more than 50%. Maternal and under five mortality has also dropped by more than 50% in the last decade. These and other critical gains in the health sector have occurred with support from our foreign assistance, including PEPFAR, USAID's maternal and child health programs, and the work of Peace Corps volunteers in rural communities. Rwanda also encourages private sector investment, and we have been, over time, the largest investor in Rwanda, and U.S. citizens are its largest source of tourism outside the East Africa region. U.S. companies are bringing innovative ideas in water treatment, energy generation, aviation, logistics to Rwanda, creating jobs in both of our countries. If confirmed, I will promote a Rwanda that remains open to U.S. business, trade, and investment as it pursues continued economic growth. Respect for human rights and democratic practices remain areas of great importance to our bilateral relationship. They are critical for Rwanda's continued prosperity, regional leadership, 
and partnership with the United States. If confirmed, I will work with the Rwandan government and civil society to encourage a Rwanda that adheres to the democratic ideals enshrined in its own constitution. And these include the rule of law, respect for fundamental human rights, pluralistic democracy, equitable power sharing, tolerance, and resolution of, of issues through dialogue. As noted, Senators, uh, Rwanda is one of the most committed countries to international peacekeeping. It's the fifth largest contributor of troops, the second largest of police units to UN peacekeeping operations around the world. And Rwandan peacekeepers have served with distinction in many of the world's most complicated trouble spots, from Central African Republic to Haiti, South Sudan, and the Sudan. Rwanda championed the Kigali principles on protecting, uh, protection of civilians, a set of best practices for protecting civilians in times of armed conflict and during the deployment of peacekeeping operations. If confirmed, I will continue to encourage Rwanda to play a positive role in peacekeeping in Africa and beyond, and within the African Union, as President Kagame assumes the role of chairperson of the African Union for one year, beginning in January 2018. Thank you again, Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Booker, and members of the committee, Senator Isaacson, for the opportunity and honor to appear before you today. I look forward to answering any questions that you may have. Thank you. Mr. Dennis. Thank you, Chairman Flake, Ranking Member Booker, Senator Isaacson. It is an honor to appear before you today. I am grateful to President Trump and to Secretary Tillerson for the confidence that they have placed in me as their nominee to be ambassador to the Gabonese Republic and also the Democratic Republic of Sao Tome and Principe. If confirmed, I will be honored to work with you and other members of Congress to protect and advance U.S. interests in both countries. Throughout my 30 years in the Foreign Service, I have focused on developing the skills required to promote U.S. interests globally and to effectively implement U.S. foreign policy objectives. I have worked to increase respect for human rights, identify U.S. trade opportunities, and promote adherence to the rule of law for the well-being and security of American and local citizens. If confirmed, I look forward to promoting our interests and democratic values in Gabon, and Sao Tome and Principe, and to encouraging both countries to contribute to a vibrant and prosperous region. I would not be where I am today without the enduring love and support of my family, and I'm joined today by my wife, Karen, and my daughter, Blair. Our son, Judson, is probably watching this from the West Coast, mm. and some very close friends of mine who have also joined us today. Gabon and Sao Tome and Principe have been relatively peaceful and stable since their independence. U.S. policy priorities are clear for both countries, protecting U.S. lives and interests, strengthening democratic institutions and improving governance, enhancing trade and economic opportunities, and ensuring peace, security, and stability. In Gabon, our priorities remain to encourage the process of democratization, increase good governance, and increase transparency. If confirmed, I will engage government leaders, opposition parties, and civil society to strengthen human rights and fundamental freedoms and urge Gabon to stay on the path to democracy. Gabon's economy has been affected by falling oil prices, leading to increased activity in the agriculture, fisheries, and timber sectors. These are areas in which U.S. knowledge and experience can contribute positively. If confirmed, I will tirelessly promote U.S. values and business interests, and I will continue to advocate on behalf of U.S. companies for a le level playing field in Gabon. Gabon is a country located on the strategic Gulf of Guinea. 
If confirmed, I will work closely with the government as well as the economic community of Central African states headquartered in Libreville to promote regional security cooperation in this vital region by leveraging partnerships with U.S. forces. Gabon is also an important partner in the Congo Basin Forest Partnership, a multilateral public-private initiative for addressing regional environmental concerns, including deforestation and wildlife trafficking. If confirmed, I will continue to advance our shared work on sustained natural resource stewardship that denies revenues to transnational criminal organizations. The other country to which I am nominated to serve as ambassador, the small island of Sao Tome and Principe, has a vibrant political scene but faces severe budgetary constraints that have hampered the dividends of democracy. U.S. national interests are served by Sao Tome's strategic location in the Gulf of Guinea and its respect for democracy. Sao Tome has been a reliable partner, hosting since 1992 a Voice of America relay station that covers much of Africa. It has also encouraged U.S. investment, and as a result, a U.S. company began oil exploration there in 2016. If confirmed, I will continue to work with Sao Tome to improve its port security through cooperation with the U.S. Coast Guard, as well as to strengthen regional security and improve bilateral trade links with the United States. Every country's greatest hope for the future is its youth. If confirmed, I will continue to work with the young people in both countries to promote peaceful dialogue, empower women, and foster entrepreneurship to further expand the private sectors in their nations. Chairman Flake, Ranking Member Booker, Senator Isaacson, no goal will be more important to me than protecting the lives, interests, and welfare of Americans living and traveling in Gabon and Sao Tome. If confirmed, I look forward to leading and fostering the development of the dynamic embassy team, including the great local staffs that we have in Gabon and Sao Tome and Principe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your willingness to serve, both of you. Uh, Mr. Broman, with regard to Rwanda, what do you consider the greatest challenge uh, you will face there? Is it uh, involved their economy and uh, U.S. participation um, or uh, promotion of U.S. business there? Is it uh, governance? Uh, um, what do you think the biggest challenge is? Microphone. Excuse me. The biggest challenge that we will face, uh, or I will face if confirmed as, an, as the ambassador to Rwanda, um, is to promote the multiple pillars of our policy. And those include, as you've noted, promoting U.S. business, as well as our values, rule of law, um, and economic growth in Rwanda. And I think for Rwanda, the biggest challenge is the youth bulge that uh, they face. Uh, like many countries in Africa, they have high fertility rates. Their population of 12 million will double by the year 2035. And they're already the most densely populated country on the continent. So the efforts that U.S. foreign assistance can uh, assist the Rwandans in, in helping provide jobs for youth who are unemployed, uh, will be critical for their security into the future and to create markets for U.S. exports and trade. Right now, we have a trade surplus, so that's less of a challenge, but cementing and making sure that our investments in Rwanda are protected. We've made significant investments in energy, aviation, uh, and water treatment. Uh, but securing the fact that the American private sector interests will remain engaged will be a continu continuing challenge. And finally, on the value side, I think clearly from your comments and from my own, uh, promoting um, some of the values that we uphold, rule of law will require 
um, our technical assistance and some of our programmatic assistance to assist the Rwandans in making good on some of their own constitutional ideals uh, and some of their own values. Thank you. Mr. Davies, you mentioned uh, our efforts uh, to help with deforestation and wildlife preservation. Uh, we have some of the last remaining forest elephants, I think, there, and uh, lowland gorillas. Uh, are we working, do we have U.S. Fish and Wildlife there? What uh, agencies of the U.S. government are making an effort there? Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. The, you're, you're correct that the U.S. Uh, Fish and Wildlife Service, as well as uh, USAID, are uh, very involved with uh, the government of Gabon towards the protection of its uh, wildlife and towards the protection of its environment. Uh, this is something uh, that we in the United States care very much uh, for, and uh, this is something that I believe our embassy has uh, very, is very well placed to be able to provide the technical assistance and know-how that we have gathered in the, in the United States to help the government of Gabon and the people of Gabon protect this environment. With regard to uh, the Gulf of Guinea, there was concern a while ago as we had some success with regard to piracy uh, on the other coast of Africa around Somalia that uh, it might move uh, to the Gulf of Guinea. Uh, are there efforts uh, and cooperation that is taking place to make sure that piracy doesn't gain a foothold there? Mr. Chairman, there, there are very much uh, this sort of uh, cooperation between the United States uh, military forces uh, who do multiple port, port calls, the U.S. Coast Guard in uh, developing the capacity of uh, the Gabonese uh, maritime forces to be able to both uh, protect the, uh, the, the country to protect the region uh, against piracy, against illegal fishing, um, against malevolent uh, behavior that might take place in the Gulf of Guinea. So we're working very closely, and uh, uh, as uh, I can assure you, if confirmed, our embassy will be very engaged in that effort with, uh, with the government of Gabon. Thank you. Senator Booker. I'm going to defer to this esteemed Senator Isaacson. I didn't know he was here. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, both of you, for accepting the challenge of representing our country as an ambassador. You're both very fortunate to go to the countries you're going to. Rwanda is one of my favorite places in the whole world. Everybody says, you really haven't been to Rwanda, have you? I said, I have been to Rwanda. And President Kagame is quite a character in, in and of himself. and has done some exemplary things to bring about peace and justice in a, terrible, in a time of terrible trouble. And I urge you when you get there, you, may, you know what Umagande Sunday is. Have you heard about Umagande Sunday? I love to tell this story, Mr. Chairman and Senator Booker, because it's such a telling story about reconciliation in Africa. When Kagame rose to leadership, one of the main things he knew he had to do was bring the people together. So they created this Umagande Sunday, where one Sunday out of every month, the president of the country declares a holiday. Nobody gets in their cars, nobody goes anywhere, but the villages all get together and decide on a project they can do together to make their village better. Senator Corker and I, in, 19, in 2010, were there on an Ubagande Sunday and helped dig a stump out of the middle of the road that went through the town and the village, going down to the larger town and village. Hardest day's work I ever put in in my life, but the most fun I ever had to see people who were, in many cases, still angry at each other over a lot of the problems that had happened previously, working together to solve a problem for the neighborhood. And so I commend you when you get there to, you, you're dealing with a country that is really bent on reconciliation and improvement. It's growing tremendously. It's expanding tremendously. It's a great country, and Kagame is a, 
he's had a few stumps along the way, but he's done a fantastic job as president of that country and does a great job, and a great friend of the United States of America. I haven't been to Gabon, but I've helped them get some poultry. They're working very hard to expand their business and economic opportunity, working with the University of Georgia on some techniques where they can make a cottage industry in Gabon by raising chickens, by families, families raising them. So they are anxious to expand their economic growth and their reach, too. Both those countries are tremendously important to the United States of America. And I want to close with this statement and ask anything you want to say. Each of those countries, like every country in Africa, has a vote in the United Nations. Africa is the continent of the 21st century for our country. The opportunity to expand American influence and friendship in, on the continent of Africa offers tremendous opportunity for our country, not only in votes in the UN when friends voting with friends, but also expanding opportunities and markets in those two countries for American value-added products. At the beginning of the chain, like, like uh, baby diapers and things of that nature, to expansion like industry of poultry and things of that nature. So you're going to two great opportunities for our country. I know you'll do a great job from reading both of your resumes. You'll both do a great job. And I look forward to hearing a good report when you come back. And I'll first volunteer to say, if you ever feel like your State Department is overlooking you, and I know I see the lady behind you is watching, watching when I say this, call me. I'll go down there and vouch for you anytime because you're going to the front line of where America's 21st century needs to be, and that's the continent of Africa. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Isaacson. Senator Booker. Thank you very much. Uh, again, it's great that you're here. Do you want to, your, your wife now has returned from parking, so if you would like to point her out. <laughs> yes, thank you, Brian. You missed your moment. Um, um, I'm, I'm really grateful again for the two of you. I want to jump right in. Uh, obviously, there's such critical uh, uh, countries that you all are going to be representing the United States to, and there have been tremendous positive things happening, but I, I, I just want to uh, sort of hone in a little bit about some human rights issues uh, um, uh, and uh, perhaps not as, uh, temper some of the praise for Kagame as well. Um, right now, this is according to the Congressional uh, Research Service, human rights advocates are asserting that laws and taboos prohibiting public acknowledgement of ethnic identity have been wielded as a tool to silence criticism of the government and that years of intimidation and interference have weakened the capacity of civil society to operate effectively. Over the years, various political opponents, critics, and journalists have been criminally prosecuted or have fled the country. Several dissidents have been violently attacked or killed outside the country in what critics portray as state-backed assassination. Do, there's a lot of these reports. Do, does this concern you? And, and tell me what uh, we could be doing uh, from the State Department to maybe address some of these issues. Thank you very much, Senator Brooker, for that question. It's an important one and, and a challenging one, uh, given where they've come from, uh, as Senator Isaacson had mentioned, from the genocide onward, and building a community of reconciliation and overcoming the legacy of the genocide is an amen, a, a, amazing challenge for, for an emerging democracy like Rwanda. Um, I think that some of the key tools that we have to work with the Rwandans have, have been in the area of rule of law which is fundamental to addressing any number of the challenges that you've just raised, whether it's with regard to civil society organizations and their freedom of operation, freedom of expression for the media or for those very same opposition members, some of whom have been detained. So we have a number of ways in which we're working through USAID programs, one of which is through um, the University of Northern Ohio, which uh, has done training for judges and prosecutors and has worked on law school curriculum that help improve 
uh, the delivery of justice in Rwanda. We have also as well an Access for Justice program that is unique with USAID in involving local partnerships and providing legal defense for people in Rwanda. That is critical. The University of Massachusetts is working with the Legal Aid Forum in Rwanda in looking at the quality and consistency of, judi of judicial decisions. Um, and I found that in my experience before in, in, Rwanda, in Ethiopia, that working on rule of law is one tool to helping a country move towards greater democratic pluralism and the rule of law in the country. So these programs are really critical and I thank the Congress and the American people for supporting the efforts that we have put in as well as the universities that have contributed to those efforts thus far. So I, I appreciate that and I, and I will note that there was many universities you mentioned, none of which were in New Jersey. Um, but um, I, I do have some concerns about the overall State Department's support of the kind of efforts that you're talking about. Uh, last week, Tillerson held a town hall, hall um, State Department and USAID which was mentioned as, as an actor, uh, important actor which in the region, which it absolutely is. But he rolled out the State Department's and USID's missions, neither of which uh, included democracy or democracy promotion. And I have concerns, uh, uh, civil society concerns in, in, in Rwanda. Uh, I have civil society concerns in, in, in Gabon, which maybe you both can address, but maybe let's just sticking with Rwanda for a second. Um, uh, I, you know, I've never, I think I respected uh, George Washington uh, as much as I did when I, I, I started studying uh, African countries. Uh, clearly, Gagami is uh, intending to stay for an undetermined period of time. Constitution's been changed. Um, and I look at some of the things, uh, obviously, Rwanda has a tremendous uh, record for promoting women, something, frankly, that maybe the United States can learn a thing or two from. Um, but when Diane uh, Wigawa, uh, a, a Gagami critic, and would-be first female independent presidential candidate was uh, de denied registration as a candidate, that obviously raises concerns. Uh, she was also subject to an uh, apparent uh, smear campaign and was arrested for tax evasion shortly after their vote. I I'm really concerned about the focus on these issues uh, in terms of democracy promotion and what this might mean for long-term stability in a nation that, as you said, is such an essential partner for us uh, in regional stability. Indeed. And I think that, uh, you know, President Kagame, he was first elected in 2003. He has indicated on several occasions that he does not intend to remain president forever. But I read uh, the Constitution, he could stay till 2035. Indeed. Um, but again, that's the, the outward limit of what is conceivably possible under the new constitutional amendments. Um, but one of the opportunities that I see in the coming year, if confirmed, would be to work with the Rwandan parliament, which, as you say, has over 60% are women in the parliament. Um, but primarily, those are, those are not, uh, in, do not include many opposition parties. So it's not a very vibrant um, body in terms of uh, diversity, in terms of political parties. That said, they are revising their electoral law. And I think it's a hope of many Rwandans, as well as both inside and outside Rwanda, that that electoral law will have in its reform better and more transparent criteria for becoming candidates, which is one of the criticisms that has been levied about the Rwandan democracy. And secondly, that there will be more safeguards put in place for the ballot counting mechanisms that are in place. So um, I would see it as a fundamental role as an ambassador to engage with Rwandan officials, whether they're in the legislative branch or the executive branch, to work with them at making improvements to their um, electoral law. And that's an area, as you know, where we have many 
uh, U.S. agencies, both in and outside of government that have expertise in that matter, and there are many as well around the world. And then, Mr. Danny's, I know I'm a little bit over my time, but if you'll indulge me with answering the question about human rights concerns, about uh, obviously there's been election irregularities as well. Um, can you tell me about it? Should you be confirmed about some of your focus on uh, uh, civil society, democracy, and human rights? Thank you, Senator. I, I would say that that is probably the one area where the United States carries the greatest amount of uh, strength and credibility in the way we have worked with organizations and groups, whether they are in the opposition or whether they're non-governmental organizations or civil society organizations in countries to reinforce the benefits that they bring to a democratic process. Um, I would say to you that if confirmed, I could not imagine uh, behaving any differently in uh, Gabon in the sense of we have a country that is, uh, has stated its determination to the democratic process, to openness, to transparency. I believe that we should hold them to their word and we should continue to encourage them to proceed down that path and to continue to strengthen those, uh, those institutions. Muito obrigado. Um, Senator Shaheen. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, thank you both for being here today, for your service, and for your willingness to be nominated for these new very important posts. And uh, I'm delighted, um, Mr. Vroom, that your brother Bruce is watching from New Hampshire. Mm. Mm. Um, I want to ask you, because We've all watched, especially given the, what happened in Rwanda in the 90s, the genocide, and the, um, the gains that have been made there. The, the importance of women um, is one of the things that I have watched very closely. I think Rwanda has the highest percentage of women of any country in its national governing body, its parliament. But... To what extent has that um, equality for women in elective office translated across the culture in the country? And to, to what extent do they, in reality, share power in the country? Thank you, Senator. Um, the, I think there is still work to be done in the economic sphere, in the social sphere within Rwanda. Um, as with many women around the world, gender-based violence is still an issue, as it has been in many of the places where I've served, whether in Ethiopia or India. And several of the ways that a, a U.S. ambassador and their country team can, can work to bring attention to those issues and those inequalities is through nominating international women of courage that come to the State Department as nominees from our missions. Um, and we have nominated, I have nominated, uh, women in those positions from India and Ethiopia, and I would think that there are there are um, people in Rwanda that would deserve similar recognition. Um, one of the things concretely that we're doing through our programmatic assistance through PEPFAR, for example, recognizing that, for example, female sex workers um, have the highest prevalence of HIV, is Ambassador Burks and the PEPFAR program have given us an opportunity to work on the DREAMS program to help address um, both sexual violence and also the, the spread of HIV among adolescent girls. So the DREAMS program has given us some additional resources to begin to target that community with additional assistance uh, to help alleviate that challenge. Um, but one of the things I believe in, and I have 
believed in throughout my career is the importance of the girl child. I have one. <laughs> um, and the, so, so promoting those opportunities. Um, and I think that uh, as an ambassador, one of the things that we can do is to promote inclusiveness within our country teams, uh, to give opportunities to women, to the disabled and to disabled women. Um, that's one thing we've done in Ethiopia, in which I would hope in a country like Rwanda that has suffered after the genocide with many people who face disabilities to give them opportunities in addition to uh, focusing on women as one of the key communities that does the work in the society and that will open opportunities for, for Rwanda as it goes forward and continues its economic development. Thank you. It's, it's also one of the reasons why diversity within our State Department is very important as well. Um, I want to ask both of you about trafficking, the 2017 Trafficking in Persons report, which listed both Rwanda and Gabon on its tier two watch list, meaning that they both have work to do in that area. And I wonder if both of you could tell me to what extent you think the leaders in the countries appreciate um, the importance of addressing this issue and what they might be doing to, to help make progress. Uh, yes, indeed, and, and Tier 2 watch list uh, is really a wake-up call. Um, if the Tier 2 wasn't, then the watch list is, because that can lead to a, an automatic downgrade if action isn't taken. I will say that in my briefings and consultations, I've learned about the action plan that is put in place in 2014 to begin to address more seriously the trafficking issues that Rwanda faces, and they've made some headway. Um, all border... Uh, forces in Rwanda have received training. There are 30,000 community workers who've received training uh, to help identify minors and others who might be victims of trafficking. We, through the JTIP office at the State Department, have offered programs to help provide uh, some regional legal assistance, and this is done throughout the region, in helping them define a standalone uh, anti-TIP law uh, that's about to be unveiled. Now, law in itself is not sufficient because implementation and bringing to, to justice people who are judged um, guilty of promoting trafficking in persons needs to be done. So I, th I believe our, our terrific embassy is going to be looking at and evaluating and reporting to what degree there is implementation and execution of that law and bringing people to justice. Um, the other key aspects are we're working kind of uniquely with the International Organization of Migration, both through JTIP and USAID to form complementary programs to not just look at the law, but the implementing regulations so that trafficking prevention, the three Ps of tra uh, anti-trafficking efforts are really brought to bear and, and scaled throughout the country. And that's one thing that Rwanda is particularly good at is bringing programs to scale. So if confirmed, when I go out there, I'll be looking to see to what degree that the one-stop shops for people who are seeking protection get it to see what their needs are, because offering protection to victims of trafficking is expensive and challenging, but incredibly important for their rehabilitation. So that, that's something that I would look forward to see expanding under the next action plan after this one concludes at the end of the year. Great. Mr. Chairman, can I get an answer from Mr. Daines as sure. well? Senator, the Gabon is very fortunate as being a, a middle-income country, which therefore means that it's attractive to a lot of the citizens and countries uh, in, its, in the, its neighboring countries. As a result, um, it is very important uh, for Gabon to uh, 
have a better control over the movement of people in and out of the country in order to be able to uh, combat uh, the illegal trafficking of people. It, it, isn't a, it has a, a viable economy which makes it attractive and therefore, of course, allows for criminal uh, elements to use that as a way to be able to continue uh, this abhorrent practice of trafficking in human beings. Um, I believe that the United States, again, is uh, very well placed to provide the sort of assistance that a country like Gabon could use in terms of helping develop its law enforcement capabilities and helping it uh, increase and uh, provide the right sort of shelters, uh, be able to identify uh, criminal elements and then create the institutions necessary to both uh, uh, investigate and then prosecute them so uh, as a way to uh, stop this kind of, this sort of practice. Um, I, I'm over my time, but do I understand you to say then yes or no? Are they committed to addressing this issue? Uh, I apologize. Yes, they are very committed to it. Uh, this is one of the areas that we have worked very closely with the government of Gabon. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Senator Kane. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and congratulations to each of you for your careers and for your nominations. Um, I'd actually like to ask both of you, this is almost more an armed services question than foreign relations. I said on both as to Senator Shaheen, the extent of U.S. military operations in Africa are something that I think a lot of Americans are surprised by when they wake up and they read um, about the death of American troops in combat in Niger, for example. That was surprising to many, not to those of us who serve on these committees. My son was deployed in Africa with the Marines in 2015, attached to AFRICOM. But talk a little bit about the state of the mill-to-mill -mill relationship between the United States and each of the countries uh, for which you've been nominated and, and what um, that you could do in the position as ambassador to promote uh, cooperation, you know, human rights training, upgrading of military standards, et cetera. Thank you very much, Senator. Uh, it's very important. Um, I've worked in Ethiopia now and, and if confirmed in Rwanda, which are two of the leading African peacekeeping contributors. Uh, both countries and in, in, in Rwanda are beneficiaries of U.S. training for peacekeeping and have received uh, substantial uh, training uh, monies from the, the U.S. Congress for support for the ACOTA training of peacekeepers. And in Rwanda's case, they've received some IPPOS uh, police keeping training from INL to support the police uh, in their deployments of foreign police uh, units overseas. What that means is that over cumulatively that 20% uh, of Rwanda's uh, forces are deployed, their soldiers are deployed on peacekeeping missions. And all of those have gone, or almost all of them have gone through some form of peacekeeping training, which includes respect for rule of law. Um, and that is one reason I think that there has been um, Rwandans have been valued in peacekeeping, whether and been awarded, recognized in the Central African Republic for their for their work. They also have a zero tolerance policy for sexual exploitation um, and abuse, which is significant, and I know is a consistent concern of the Congress and the administration in that regard. So those, those training programs have been important. Rwanda, like Ethiopia, is also beneficiary of APREP, which is. Uh, that's, a, that's an acronym, so I will spell that out, but it's the African Peacekeeping Rapid Response Country, of which there are six in Africa. And that program has allowed them, or will allow them as it rolls out, to support their logistics, their the deployment of medical evacuation units, and their 
um, support for aviation, which would facilitate, uh, if, if we're able to deliver two Cessna aircraft, allow them to do evacuation of peacekeeping personnel in their deployments. So um, the APREP has given them a significant um, boost to, their, to the security assistance that we offer. Um, and their IMET training is something that they willingly engage in, and they permit Leahy vetting uh, very transparently. And that is something that I would, if confirmed, uh, pledge to continue. Thank, thank you, Mr. Danison. Uh, if you could answer the same question about Gabon. Thank you, Senator Kane. And uh, both of us would tell you that the uh, worst news an ambassador can ever receive is the death of an American citizen in their region, much less uh, that of an uh, American uh, citizen who, uh, who's in the military. Which means that it is uh, critical to us that um, we continue to have these military-to-military -military cooperation arrangements, but that we do so in a way that uh, works to strengthen and bolster uh, local forces in order to both be able to protect their citizens, but also give, uh, protects our citizens. In the case of Gabon, uh, there is a very close partnership, certainly um, related to uh, maritime protection in the Gulf of Guinea. Mm -hmm. Um, but also in uh, helping uh, to combat the encroachment of uh, poachers into the region, who, which can uh, not only, of course, uh, destroy the environment, but also bring with them criminal elements which are dangerous uh, to the country and eventually uh, perhaps uh, to the rest of the world. Um, it is, uh, it, it is, we are fortunate that uh, the, the government of Gabon, uh, Libreville hosts the uh, economic community of Central African states, which uh, uh, continues to be a cooperative arrangement of uh, 10 countries in the region uh, with which uh, our U.S. military cooperates, both our naval forces and our military forces. So I, I believe that uh, the, re the relationship is a strong one and we will continue to, uh, to keep it that way. I appreciate that, and Mr. Chair, my observation from working on the defense authorizing bill every year is that the work we do to train foreign militaries is just like a part of a fingernail of the Department of Defense budget, whether it's bringing officers for training here at the War College or in other venues in the United States or whether it's on the ground training in those countries, but we would want them to want us to be their security partner of choice, and that training both in technical capacity, but also around issues like respect for rule of law and human rights is incredibly valuable. And it also builds relationships that are important. The captain you train today could be the defense minister in 10 years or the leader of a country in 20 years. So this is a really important part of what we do on the defense side and, and it's about diplomacy and building relationships. These ambassadors will have an important role to play in it and, uh, and I wish you both well, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. We've got votes in uh, just a few minutes, but I just have one quick question, and I think Senator Booker has another. Uh, Mr. Broman, there's a long history of uh, border incidents between Rwanda and Burundi. Uh, there have been issues of troops uh, coming across. Uh, in what ways are we dealing with that issue, and is the government uh, sufficiently cooperating uh, with us and with the, the, uh, the government of Burundi as well? Yes, sir, and in my consultations, I've looked at, at those, that history, and uh, in the past, uh, the Child Soldier Protection Act, uh, uh, because of Rwanda's support for the M23 militia in Eastern Congo, they were listed under that under, in 2015, uh, and similarly in, for recruiting Burundi soldiers in their refugee camps in 2000. Uh, and 15, uh, later in 2016. But in the actual year of 2016-17, uh, following that listing, um, they are no longer, uh, to the extent that I'm aware, 
supporting proxies in those neighboring states, and that's a good thing. Um, so I can't attribute it to whether the listing had that effect, mm -hmm. but the, the, reaction, the, the corrective actions that have been taken have been noted by our embassies in the region. All right, thank you. Senator Booker. I'm just gonna briefly put out two questions that you guys can answer them and um, we can conclude. Um, and the first one will be for Danny's. Uh, obviously, climate change is having a disproportionate impact on uh, countries like South Tome, uh, Principe. Um, and what do you believe we could be doing in the United States to help them uh, deal with that? And then the second one uh, for Mr. Veruman. Uh, uh, I have some concerns about the violence between Hutus and Tutsis in Burundi and how that might uh, destabilize Rwanda. If you all could comment on those two, and I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. Uh, very briefly, uh, just like in the Amazon, one of the uh, uh, biggest uh, sources of mitigation for uh, the climate are, are protecting forests and uh, rainforests. And both uh, Gabon and Sao Tome and Principe are very fortunate to have uh, a very uh, viable uh, uh, environments. And therefore, I think it is, uh, our, it is in our favor to be able to continue to help them protect those to help them manage them in a very smart way so that they are constantly providing more protection for the environment rather than uh, going through the, some of the problems countries that have been deforested uh, have seen and which have exacerbated the problem of climate change. You're right that for a country, uh, island state like Sao Tome and Principe, this is especially important. Um, and therefore, uh, I think this is a role that the embassy can play very well in helping them uh, develop the right economic techniques to be able to uh, protect that environment. Senator, to your question about the relations with Burundi, that's obviously a question that uh, uh, the ambassadors of both missions uh, look to. Um, if confirmed, I will work closely with our embassy in, in uh, Bujumbura. I'm, I'm meeting our ambassador tomorrow as part of my consultations. But my understanding is that there are more than 70,000 refugees from Burundi in Rwanda currently. Um, in camps. Um, and so that's an area certainly of concern that I will continue to monitor going forward. The East African community is, is charged with having dialogue and conducting dialogue between the two countries, and that's an area that I would continue to monitor as well if confirmed as ambassador to Rwanda. Mr. Chairman, thank you. Well, thank you both. Um, I appreciate uh, you being here and your families as well, and uh, continue to be impressed by the sacrifices that they make. and. These are the tough posts, a uh, long way from home, and uh, we just appreciate your willingness to serve and the sacrifices made by, by all the families. Uh, for the information of members, the record will remain, remain open until the close of business tomorrow. That's December 20th, including for members to submit questions for the record. We'd ask the nominees if you could respond as promptly as possible to these questions. With the thanks of the committee, hearing stands adjourned.